Hi, Beacon Church. Hope you're good. It is so good to just have this opportunity to share God's word with you. I am not with you today, but I am in Doncaster speaking at Legacy Church for our friends Dell and Grayson Jones. But thanks to technology, I can be in two places at the same time. Just to uh, have this opportunity to share God's word with you is absolutely fantastic. Um, so please lean in, and uh, I'm sure today's word is really going to encourage and bless you as well. If you are visiting with us, can I add my welcome to the welcome you may have already received uh, to say we're so delighted that you've taken time to be with us. And if you have been before, thanks for coming back. Really appreciate that you've been, uh, you've taken time to be with us today. Um, we are in the middle of a brand new series called Heroes. Uh, we kick-started it last week and uh, it talks. Uh, we're talking about the, the superpower of surrender. Lots of us have lots of superpowers, but uh, surrender is a very highly unrated or underrated uh, superpower, but that's the power that uh, disciples have. A disciple of Jesus Christ is somebody who denies themselves to follow Jesus Christ. So we've been looking at that uh, last week and we continue that this week as well as for the rest of the month of July. So as with all of the sermons in this particular series, it's going to start with a bit of introduction, a bit of explaining the concepts, and then we're also going to be looking at some real life heroes, real life disciples. We lived at two last week. We're going to be looking at another two this week as well and so uh, i want to encourage you to lean in take notes absorb all that you can and of course all of this content is reposted on our youtube channels as well as on our podcast so feel free to share the content or revisit it at a date a later date i'm sure that will be of some help to you so let me pray and then we'll get uh, right into the word of god today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the presence of God we feel where two or three are gathered in your name. Thank you that your presence is there. So we pray, bless our time together today as we delve and dive into the word of God. Speak to our hearts, help us to see Jesus. Thank you that our lives will never be the same again. We rebuke every distraction of the body, of the mind, of the surroundings. Speak, Lord, with power, purpose, and clarity. Thank you that you've told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And we thank you that today something God's, of God's supernatural power will break out in this room. Thank you, Lord, that uh, it's coming home, that England will thrash Italy 5-0 tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh, for being here. So I'm going to delve right into God's word. So last week we looked at uh, three groups of people in church. We called them the inquirers, the believers and the disciples. And uh, we're just going to look at that again. But this time I'm going to go uh, a bit deeper into what each of those represent. So the first group, we call them the inquirers. These are the people at church who come along because they're curious. They're curious as to what this church is about. Maybe you've invited a friend and they wanted to know what this church was about. So they've come along and uh, sometimes they, people come along because they're interested about God and what God is doing in, in and around them. Maybe they've seen a post on social media. So they come along. There's, uh, these are the inquirers. They're the people here. And the inquirers, what they're looking at is that they're looking at, at wanting to relationally belong. They want to just know that they are, uh, they're safe here. Uh, 
inquirers often come in and they have one of two reactions they go man I don't ever want to go back to that place I felt like fish out of water I felt so awkward uh, it did not feel right at all or as the other group of people come and go well I don't get it some of it was weird some of the people I met were weird uh, but I felt something I felt something warm on the inside I felt something tingling I felt love I felt that there's more there here that uh, I need to explore my curiosity has been aroused I need to explore what this is and so those are the inquirers so we want to read a verse from the Bible a few verses from the Bible concerning the inquirers and then I will uh, delve into those verses uh, and uh, then we will move on to the believers so we're going to read from Romans chapter 5 verse 6 to 10 Romans chapter 5 verses 6 to 10 and this is what it says when we were utterly helpless Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners and since we, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies we will certainly be saved through the life of his son so let's look at a few things that this uh, this particular these particular verses tell us about uh, about Jesus and about us seven things about inquirers who are looking at relationally belonging number one it says in these verses christ died for us while we were utterly helpless so if you find yourself utterly helpless you say i'm not strong i don't feel i'm a really strong person well welcome to beacon church you belong here because christ died for you when you were utterly helpless and if christ has ruled you in then there's nobody that can rule you out so you belong here secondly it says christ died for us when we were still sinners so if you're here today saying well i am not going to change my life this is who i am these are the choices i make and this is me and uh, god may not approve of this but this is me if that's you welcome you belong here because the bible says christ died for us while we were yet sinners he didn't die for us after we cleaned up our act he died up died for us while we were yet sinners these verses in romans also tell us number three that christ died for us when we were his enemies so if you're uh, maybe uh, wanting to invite a friend to church and they say hey i'm the last person you need to be inviting to church i curse god i curse christians i curse anything to do with christianity i uh, i've made lots of enemies with people who are followers of jesus christ you should tell them hey come along to beacon church you belong here because christ died for us while we were still enemies so enemies of christ are welcome at beacon church if christ has included the enemies of christ then we are no one to to exclude the enemies of Christ. So Christ died for us while we were still enemies. Number four, it says that Christ died at just the right time. So um, not only was Christ dying for us, but he was not early, he was not late. He died at just the right time. Number five, it says that God showed his great love by sending his son to die for us many times we can look at god and we can feel like we are his project that that we were somehow his rescue mission he somehow needed to fix us 
And the thing with viewing ourselves as God's project is that we will forever feel this small in the presence of God. God is not just doing this. God didn't just send his son to die on a cross for us because we were his project. He did it because he loved us. He lavished his love on us. And I want to tell you today uh, that God loves you and the demonstration of that love was the cross of Jesus Christ. Number six, these verses tell us that we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we did not we were not made right in God's sight because of our contribution to God. We were made right in God's sight because of God's contribution to us. Jesus' blood is what has made us right in God's sight. And number seven, it says our relationship has been restored by the death of Jesus Christ. So not only is the price being paid, but now a relationship has been restored while we were still enemies with God. So any inquirer that comes into our church belongs because Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still helpless, while we were still his enemies. And so if you find yourself in any one of those categories, welcome to Beacon Church. You belong here and uh, we're so delighted that you've made this your home. Relationally belong. That's what inquirers are longing for. The second group we spoke about were the believers. Now we want to read a few more verses from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 13 and this is what it says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the, the, the inquirers are looking to relationally belong. But the believers, they are internally believing something is happening with their hearts. And these verses show us five things about those who choose to believe. Number one, a believer is somebody who openly declares that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is not a private matter. Actually, now you've got bold enough to say, Do you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to make I'm going to make this public. This this is me. I have decided to follow Jesus. So um, uh, imagine there's two people in a relationship and they like each other and and uh, say you you like a girl and you you kind of you you meet a friend and, and you say hey who's this uh, who's who's this girl and uh, if they say well I have no idea I don't know who this is. She's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> They're probably not in a relationship or if they are in one, that uh, relationship is going to break up sometime soon. So uh, a believer has to openly declare that Jesus is Lord. And number two, a believer, the Bible says, believes in their heart that God raised Christ from the dead. When you died, Jesus, when Jesus died, you died. When you were buried, uh, you, when Jesus was buried, you were buried. And when Jesus was risen from the dead, your life was also risen from the dead. You believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Number three, these verses tell us that anyone who trusts in him will never be 
disgraced. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and if you have a fear that believing in Jesus Christ is going to lead you to shame, is going to lead you to disgrace, I want to tell you nothing could be further from the truth. Anyone who believes in Jesus, the Bible says, will never be disgraced. Number four, these verses tell us that God gives generously to to those who call on him. God gives generously to those who call on him. Now, we know that sometimes we think God is not generous towards us. But I want to tell you, our God is a generous God. He is not going to give you in a in a stingy, some sort of controlling manner. He is a God who wants to give generously. Number five, these verses tell us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to ask you a question. What does the word everyone mean? (laughs) The word everyone means everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So no matter who you are, if you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, then salvation is yours and you can become a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, we come to the third group, which is the group that we've been talking about, the group uh, of disciples, the heroes that we've been talking about. And uh, these are the people who are so in love with Jesus, they now decide that their life now revolves around Jesus. Their life now revolves around pleasing Jesus and putting Jesus first. And we read these verses in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. So the disciples are people who are so in love with Jesus that they decide now that he is worth it, that their lives are now going to be surrendered to his desires. Whatever they want to do spiritually, it's not what they want, it's what Jesus wants. Whatever thoughts that they want to think mentally, it's not what they want, it's what Jesus wants. Whatever feelings they want to feel emotionally, it's not what they want, it's what Jesus feels. Whatever they want to do with their money, it's no longer what they want to do with their money, it's what Jesus desires for us to do with our money. It's no longer how we behave in our relationships, and the relationships we pursue based on our wants and wishes and desires. It's coming to Jesus and saying, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. How is it that your Spirit can lead me in the the, the desires of my heart because I want to put the desires of Jesus first. So a quick recap. The inquirers want to relationally belong and all you need to do for that is to be human. Anybody belongs because Jesus died for the sinners, the enemies, the utterly helpless. Number two, the believers are internally believing and you do that by deciding that to believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Number three, the disciples are externally becoming. Their choices, their behavior, their words, how they spend their time, their energy, their money is all now starting to change because now they not only believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they're now in a place where they're saying, you know what? I decided to follow Jesus, so I'm going to now deny myself, take up the cross and follow him. It's no longer me first, it's Jesus first, and I have decided to follow Jesus. So that's a quick recap of of what we spoke about last week, but I've gone into a bit more depth on what those verses mean. Now, before we move on into the heroes that we're going to look at today, 
I want to ask you a question. Which group do you think you find yourself in? Are you an inquirer? Are you a believer? Or are you a disciple? Which group do you think you find yourself in? Here's the thing. You cannot be in more than one group at the same time. You cannot be more than one group. You can either an inquirer or a believer or a disciple. I wonder what group you find yourself in. Now, here is my follow-up question with that. My follow-up question is this. If you are an inquirer, what would prevent you from being a believer? If you are a believer, what would prevent you? What's preventing you from being a disciple? And number three, if you are a disciple, what's preventing you from continuing in your discipleship journey so that you continue to take steps to obey Jesus. That's the hallmark of discipleship, obedience, that you are obeying the leading and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the obeying the leading and the moving of Jesus because your life now is surrendered to his desires and to his will. What would prevent you from taking the next step? Another question I want to ask the disciples is this. What was the last thing Jesus told you to obey and have you obeyed it? If not, why don't you ask God to give you the grace now to say yes to obedience to the last thing Jesus told you to do? I've got a great a couple of stories of some heroes that we're going to look at. But before we come to that, I want to pause for a moment and pray. Pray that if you are an inquirer, God will give you the grace to believe. If you are a believer, God will give you the grace to say yes to discipleship. If you are a disciple, God will give you the grace to continue in a path of obedience to Jesus Christ. So for a moment of concentration and privacy, will you close your eyes and pray with me as I pray that God gives you the grace and the help to take your next steps. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today that we have received your grace and your kindness. I pray that every person who feels like they are a million miles away from God, I thank you that they belong here. Thank you that Christ died for the sinners, the ungodly, the helpless, the enemies. And so we thank you that we belong in your presence. I pray, God, that everybody here who is an inquirer will make a decision to follow Jesus, to become a believer in Jesus Christ. I pray for every believer in Jesus Christ that there will be such a revelation of your greatness, your glory, your majesty, your compassion that we will go one step further and say, I want to be a disciple. I want to deny myself. I want to take up the cross. I want to put Christ first. Holy Spirit, we can't do this on our own. So we pray you helpless. Lord, I pray for every disciple of Jesus today. Lord, I pray that you will help us to obey the last thing you've told us to do. And help us to continue to surrender ourselves to put you first in all the day, all the thing, all the days of our lives, in everything that we do and think and decide. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, yeah, uh, I want to now go on to uh, talk about a couple of heroes, a couple of disciples who have surrendered their life to Jesus. These are great stories and uh, they inspire me to no end. The first hero I want to look at is a lady called Corey Ten Boom. The reason I want to look at these particular heroes uh, is because of this. 
One of the superpowers that the disciples have, as I said earlier, is the superpower of surrender. They're able to put themselves second because they can put Jesus first. And one of the ways you know you're a disciple is that you're able to forgive people, that you're able to forgive people. There are three groups of people or three directions that your forgiveness should be directed. Number one, you should forgive um, you should forgive yourself. Number two, you should forgive others. And number three, you should forgive God. Now, forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is not difficult. Forgiveness, the way the Bible talks about it, is actually impossible. It's impossible. Unless God gives you the grace and the strength, forgiveness is impossible. So before I come to these two heroes, let me just maybe pause a moment and talk about forgiving, forgiving yourself. If you're here today and you've walked in with condemnation, I want to say to you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are free. You are loved. You are a child of God. The spirit of God has been given to your spirit so that you can call him Abba Father. You can bold, come boldly before the throne of grace anytime you need to receive grace and mercy. You are forgiven. Because you are forgiven. Now forgive yourself and allow Christ's forgiveness to come into your life. Second type of forgiveness is the forgiveness of others. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about one of my heroes, Corey Ten Boom. If you don't know who Corey is, let me introduce Corey to you. Corey Ten Boom has long been honored by Christians as an example of Christian faith in action. She was arrested by the Nazis along with the rest of her family for hiding Jews in their Harlem home with the rest uh, of the family during the Holocaust. She was imprisoned and eventually sent to Ravensburg concentration camp along with her beloved sister, Betsy. She, Betsy died there just a few days before Corey was released from the concentration camp uh, on the 31st of December, 1944. Corey was moved by her sister who passed away, by her example of selfless love. She was inspired by her forgiveness in the midst of the extreme cruelty and persecution that they faced in the concentration camps. Corey established a post-war home for other camp survivors, trying to recover from the horrors that they had experienced and escaped from. She went on to travel widely as a missionary, preaching God's forgiveness and the need for reconciliation. Corey's devout moral principles, however, were tested. When by chance, she came face to face with one of her former tormentors in 1947. That's right. She escaped from one of the concentration camps, from one of the Nazi concentration camps, she was going around the world preaching that Jesus is good and God is good and God loves and he forgives and that we must forgive. And then one day after a church service, she met one of her former guards from her prison days. Let me read this 
story to you. It was a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a grey overcoat. A brown felt had hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947 and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat and the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me. Ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Can you imagine all those memories coming back, you know, in the concentration camps? These women had to endure horrific, barbaric treatment in the hands of these, these gods, these Nazi gods. And she, she met this man and all these memories of when they were made to strip and the clothes were in one corner and they had to walk naked in front of these gods to experience torment that we cannot even talk about. She met one of these men after she had just finished preaching. She goes on, Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensburg concentration camp where we were sent. You mentioned Ravensburg in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Ma'am, he said. His hand came out. Will you forgive me? Corey goes on to write. And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven. And I could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking me to forgive? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to do it. The message that God forgives. And I stood there still with the coldness clutching my heart. But Corey writes these words, listen to this. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. 
Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Let me read that again. Forgiveness is an emotion and forgiveness is an act of the will and that will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. But please, you must supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into into the one stretched out to me. And as I did that, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, my brother, I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. What a story. A former guard and a former prisoner. Now, both children of God. Is it possible? Is it easy? No. Is it difficult? Absolutely yes. Is it impossible? Oh, 100%. The only way such a reconciliation can ever take place is if there is a superpower, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the good thing about discipleship is that our our desire to lay down our own lives to put Jesus first does not come from our own power. It comes from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, this story is so remarkable that I think it is worth hearing a short synopsis of the story in Corey's own words. Let's listen to this. When I was in the concentration camp, one of the most terrible things I had to go through was that they stripped us of all our clothing and we had to stand. The first time was the worst. I said, Betsy, I cannot bear this. And suddenly it was as if I saw Jesus at the cross. And the Bible tells, they took his garments, he hanged there naked. And I knew he hanged there for me, for my sins. And by my suffering, I understood a fraction of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And it made me so thankful that I could bear my suffering. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Some people are afraid to look at the cross. Are you? Don't be afraid. The cross is terrible. 
it is terrible how Jesus suffered not to describe but you must not afraid to look at it for if you had been the only person in the world Jesus should have suffered for your sins at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my sins rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I have guidance every day it was some time ago that I was in Berlin and there came a man to me and said ah Mr. Bohm I am glad to see you don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel officers guards in the concentration concentration camp and that man said I have I'm now a Christian I have found the Lord Jesus I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world also for my sins I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness and Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven will you forgive me and I could not I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him but when I saw when I experienced that I could not forgive suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness do you know that Jesus has said that when you do not forgive those who have sinned against you my heavenly father will not forgive you your sins I I knew oh I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins but I was not able I could not I could only hate him and then I took one of these beautiful texts one of these boundless resources Romans 5.5 the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us and I said thank you Jesus that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me and thank you Father that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness that same moment I was free and I could say brother give me your hand and I shook hands with him and it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms you never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies perhaps hearing that story has brought back a memory Maybe it's brought back an event. Maybe it's brought back a face that you would rather forget. 
I want to say to you, my friends, I'm not doing this to make you feel uncomfortable, but I want doing this to let you know that there is a freedom that is available in Jesus Christ. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And if you're here today and you are struggling with unforgiveness towards a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, whoever it is that rejected you, abused you, did things that were not right, evil, criminal to you, things that should be that should be condemned and they should be in jail if necessarily and rightly so but you do not have to live with unforgiveness in your heart another day of your life the Holy Spirit is here his presence is here his power is here and if you will cry out to him just like Corey cried out to him and said Jesus help I cannot do it I feel mechanical I feel wooden I can maybe lift my hands but you have to supply the feeling today I believe in a supernatural moment of the Holy Spirit breaking into your life that men and women boys and girls will be set free in Beacon Church this morning to forgive our enemies in a way that is not even humanly possible but what is impossible with man is possible with God Jesus will make it possible today I want to encourage you my friend forgive let go and allow the presence of God to envelop your heart and mind that you may encounter the love that Jesus provides. We spoke about forgiving ourselves. We spoke about forgiving others. Now, I want to talk to you about forgiving God. I want to talk to you about another prisoner, another Nazi prisoner. This lady, however, did not make it. She died in the concentration camp in Auschwitz, aged 29. Rowan Williams in his book, Tokens of Trust, writes about Etty Hilsom. This is what it says. Etty was a young Jewish woman in her 20s, and when the Germans occupied Holland, not a pious, conventional person at all, nor someone with an explicit religious commitment. Her published diaries and letters from 1941 to 1943 show how during this terrible period in the history of her country, her people and her people, she became more and more conscious of God's hand on her life at a time when most would have been likely to feel deeply skeptical about God. Think about that for a moment. Etty writes in her diary that she became more and more conscious that the hand of God was on her life. Surely that's the time where you have to feel skeptical about God. Surely that's the time where you have to say, God doesn't exist. But Etty began to become aware of the hand of God on her life. Imprisoned in the transit camp at Westerbrook, Westerbrook, before being shipped off to Auschwitz, where she was to die in the gas chambers in November 1943, at the age of 29, she wrote, There must be someone to live through it all and bear witness to the fact that God lived even in these times. And why should I not be that witness? 
Think about that. She said, I want someday somebody to pick up my diary, read these words, and I want them to know God lived in these times, that God's presence was real, even in Auschwitz, in the concentration camp, where barbaric, inhumane acts of torture and murder were being carried out on a daily basis. Etty says, I want somebody to know God was real. I felt the hand of God on my life. His presence was close to me. In a letter to a friend at Westerbrook, she described her life as having become an uninterrupted dialogue with you, O God. And she could write of sensing her vocation in the camp as being not simply to proclaim you, God, but to commend you to the heart of others. One must also clear the path toward you in them. <laughs> she writes in her diary, in other words, that she felt her call in life was to so spend time with God that others will become convinced that there is a God. Because when you are in a concentration camp undergoing treatment of the most horrific crimes known to human history, she thought it was her call in life that people should look at her life and decide, you know what? God is real. I don't get it, but Etty speaks to God. And God is real. She took that on as her calling. It is plain that she saw her belief as a matter of deciding to occupy a certain place in the world, a place where others could somehow connect with God through her. Not in any self-congratulatory spirit or with any sense of being exceptionally holy or virtuous, but simply because she agreed to take responsibility for God's believability. She agreed to take on responsibility for God's believability. I want people to, for people to believe that there is a God. Because here I am in Auschwitz and they will look at my life and know, you know what? Etty knows God. What a life. She died at 29, killed, murdered. But she's a hero, a disciple of Jesus who surrendered her life and said, you know what? I'm not going to blame God. My friend... I'm not going to blame God. Are you blaming God? Perhaps this is triggering a memory of something that's happened in your life. One of my favorite songwriters is a songwriter called Jason Upton. And she wrote and he wrote a song called Write Every Day Down. Write Every Day Down is a song inspired by Etty's journals. This is what Jason says. There are a few arguments against a life that makes God real. Am I a witness? Does my life make God believable? Does the witness of my life make God real? In 2009, I was reading the above book, Tokens of Trust, on a boat heading to the Isle of Wight. After reading this particular excerpt, I began asking myself these questions. As many of you remember, it was a time of great economic uncertainty throughout the world and very few people knew what the future would hold. But when I began to read Etty's story, it made all the anxiety fade away. Her witness made the presence of Jesus real to me. During the next few days on the Isle of Wight, I wrote a song called, Write Every Day Down. 
hey, I want to share this song with you because I think it is a wonderful song. The song is inspired by Etty's journals. And in this song, it talks about uh, this quote from Etty's journals. Hey, God lived in these times. Some days are good, some days are bad, some days are horrible. But let me share this song with you and then I'll come back and share a few thoughts on the back of that. Got boring old black shoes and orange in my pocket, and I walk the same road every day. A lifetime can pass by, and if we don't watch it, we'll miss all it has to say. Right every day, down. Right every day, down. Right every day down Right every day down Some days are sunny And some days are cloudy And some have a slight chance of rain Some days surprise me And some days excite me
my pocket and I walk the same road every day. A lifetime can pass by, and if we don't watch it, we'll miss all it has to say. If we're not careful, a lifetime can pass by, and we will miss it. Because we were so stuck on blaming God, asking questions for which we will never have answers. My friend, I do not want to presume to know your pain. You've been asking, why did it happen? Why is it not changing? Why is it happening this way? Why are things the way it was? Why was I born here? Why did my parents raise this way? Why did my spouse treat me this way? Why did he leave me? She leave me? I don't have the answers to those questions, but I do want to let you know a lifetime can pass by while you just remain stuck asking those questions. Why don't you let go? Forgive God. He is real. He loves you. Those were not things that God did to you. That was the enemy. That was the devil. That was criminal. That was unfair. Those things should not have happened to you. But today the Holy Spirit comes along and gives you the ability to say, do you sense my presence? Do you sense my compassion? Do you sense my love? Do you sense me healing your heart? Do you sense me coming to bring revival into your own soul that's perhaps dead on the inside I want you to come alive so that you don't live another day blaming God blaming other people and blaming yourself is it easy no is it difficult yes is it impossible of course it is impossible without the help of God I want to let you know and I want to publicly say this once a year I go for therapy I go for inner healing with Christian therapists who who help me process my own emotions and my own heart. The board of directors at this church, they know this. I keep accountable to them and once a year I do that, I, I check in for inner healing and for, for ministry to, to, to my own heart. So I'm not saying this is a one moment fix. But I am saying as a disciple, you've got to make a few decisions to point yourself in a way where you say, I want to live my life in such a way that my heart is free from offense, offense towards other people, offense towards myself and offense towards others and offense towards God. Write every day down. Some days are great, some days are bad, but God is real whether the day is good or whether the day is bad. What a hero Corey is. What a hero Corey is, what a hero Etty is. And I don't use the words was, I use the word is because they are alive today in the presence of Jesus. And one day you will meet them if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. They will not make our front page newspapers. They will not have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. They will not be mentioned in conversations around the country today. But I promise you they are heroes. I promise you they are people who have given their lives to follow Jesus and they discovered a love and a joy that cannot be explained in any other way. I want to take a few moments to pray with you. I want to pray with you because maybe you are here today and you are struggling to forgive yourself. Maybe you're here today and this has triggered some memories and you are struggling to, to forgive somebody else. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling to forgive God because you have for the longest time asked the question, God, why, why, why? And you haven't got any answers. 
for a moment of concentration and privacy will you please close your eyes because i would love to pray with you and uh, just help you to receive healing and if you are here today and you say i would love somebody to walk with me because this i realize is a journey and not a one-time thing then help is available here don't do life on your own at beacon church we believe in allowing other disciples to walk alongside you so you can heal you can forgive you can let go as somebody said forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die Today, let the poison of unforgiveness be plugged out from your heart. That's what disciples do. We forgive. We deny ourselves and take up the cross because we have encountered Jesus. For a moment of concentration and privacy, will you please close your eyes? I'd love to pray with you. Whoever you are right now in this building, if you say, I want to forgive somebody, and that might be yourself, that might be somebody else, that might be God, an inward action an inward conviction always demands an outward action. If that's you and say, I want to give my unforgiveness to God. Why don't you quickly just lift your hands right now all over this place. Lift your hands right now so that Jesus can see an outward action of an inward conviction. Come on, lift your hands. Anybody else say, I want to forgive. I want to let go. Father, you see these hands that have gone up and come down. In the name of Jesus, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit will come now. will bring healing. will bring consolation. will bring comfort. will bring deliverance. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirits of unforgiveness that have taken hold and root of our lives. And I say in Jesus' name, be out of our lives. Let there be freedom in this church today. And as, un as unforgiveness goes, and as the forgiveness of Jesus comes, let healing manifest up and down in this building in Jesus name for every person who will watch this again in, in, in our rebroadcast on our YouTube channel for every person that is listening to this on a podcast let forgiveness come flooding in now by the touch of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name amen and amen hey I want to encourage you not to do this journey on your own reach out to us connect with our website go to the part of our church website which where you can submit prayer requests we promise you there will be somebody available to connect with you and take the next steps with you there are disciples here who have received the healing of jesus we're not experts but we have found out that god is good and we can help you take your next steps in jesus I want to pray one more prayer. If you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to help you take that decision. Repeat these simple words after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again. I give you my life and I receive yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe if you made that prayer, a simple prayer with faith in your heart, You've made a decision to become a child of God. Don't do life on your own. Connect with us. Let us know you've made that decision. We will send resources and friends your way so that we champion you in this journey of faith. Remember, whoever wishes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow him. What a hero Corey is. What a hero Etty is. You can be a hero too. Not by being famous so that everybody knows your name, but by surrendering your heart 
so that Jesus is first. Is it easy? Is it difficult? Is it impossible? It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is available. God bless you. Remember next week is Baptism Sunday. A few people are going to decide to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. Come along, invite a friend, book in. It's going to be a great Sunday. God bless you and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.